Right now, though, we are going to do a discussion about the true location of the Temple Mount. And so to kind of kick this thing off, before we get into what we're going to be talking about, I want you all to watch a short video, because some of you might not be familiar with the Temple Mount, where it's at, why it's a big deal. But this is a very big deal, the location of Solomon's Temple. It is a huge deal for many reasons. And I'm, it's very clear that most of Christianity and other religions have it wrong. So let's watch a short video just to kind of illustrate how it is, in fact, a big deal. Get your heart, get your home, get your friends, and get your relatives ready to meet the Son of God because we're soon to leave this world to see Jesus Christ in the clouds of glory. The prayer for Jerusalem, which we all pray, is in spiritual expectation and longing for the building of the temple and the coming of the Messiah to announce the kingdom of God. Jerusalem was the abode of the divine presence when the temple was at its center. According to Jewish tradition, the divine presence never left the temple from the day it was destroyed until today. And that is why millions of Jews and Christian believers flocked to pray at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Between the years 132 to 136 AD, about 60 years after the Great Revolt against the Romans, the Jews of the land of Israel conducted another revolt against the Roman Empire known as the Bar Kokhba Revolt in the name of the leader of that revolt, Shimon Bar Kokhba. To highlight the purpose of the revolt, whose aim was deliverance from harsh Roman dominion over Israel and the rebuilding of the temple, Bar Kokhba engraved the facade of the temple on the coin. We invite you to purchase the temple coin pendant symbolizes our hope for the building of the third temple in Jerusalem and for our everlasting salvation. The temple coin pendant is intended to link you through prayer to Jerusalem, Israel, for the building of the temple in Jerusalem and the coming of the Messiah to her gates. Temple coin pendant is produced in a factory in Jerusalem by dear and wonderful people who unfortunately are disabled both mentally and physically and are helped to find work by making and packaging the pendant. This raises a smile on their lips and allows them to earn their livelihood and live their life in the dignity they deserve. To order the pendant, please contact John Hagee Ministries' website at www.jhm.org. The uniqueness in the purchase of this pendant is on the one hand a wonderful souvenir, reminding us all of the importance of praying for the peace of Jerusalem and the building of the temple which helps in the important spiritual strengthening of Israel and Jerusalem, but on the other hand, provides direct material help and important support for the livelihood and employment of the disabled in Israel, bringing blessings to them and their supporters. And truly realizes the verse in Genesis chapter 12, verse three, and I will bless those whom bless thee. To order the pendant, please contact John Hagee Ministries' website at www.jhm.org. Jesus Christ is coming back to earth a lot sooner than you believe. All right, so you all see how they make a huge deal about this Temple Mount. We see our president there at the Wailing Wall, which is that western wall that supposedly is just a part of where the original temple used to be. And it is, it's a huge deal. That location, it's a big deal to the Muslims. That's where their Al-Aqsa Mosque is, where they believe Muhammad ascended into heaven. 
It's a very important spot for the Jews because it's where they believe Solomon's temple was built and where the third temple is going to be built. And also it's a big deal because uh, for believers, if that is the location of Solomon's temple, this is the place where Jesus is going to rule and reign from when he returns. And so obviously these things where they're trying to get you to raise money for Israel to help them build that temple, Christian people are giving their money to this organization. Yeah. I've been to the Temple Mount Institute. When I, was, when I went to Israel years ago, when I was a pro-Jew guy, we went through there and we got the big tour. I got to see the table of showbread and the menorah and all the golden trumpets and the priestly garments. Pretty much, They have everything there except the Ark of the Covenant, and they say they know where it is. But they, they make a huge deal. They get Christians all excited thinking, you know, this is just going to help bring about the second coming of Christ. But what's interesting is when we look at the Bible and when you look at the archaeology, and when you look at history, you will see that there is no way that is the location of the Temple Mount, proving that the Temple Mount Institute is one big fraud. So right now, Pastor Major is going to prove from the, or show from the scriptures where the location of Solomon's Temple was. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, it is a complete fraud, and all you have to do is turn to Matthew chapter number 24 and verse number 1, and you can see that the Temple Mount is a fraud because the Jews, they all go there to that wailing wall, and they're all there. They say that that wall is left over from the temple, but Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24, 1, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And so Jesus made it very clear that the temple, not one stone would be left upon another. So do we believe Jesus or do we believe the synagogue of Satan? which says that that entire wall is left over from the temple. Of course, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ was right, that not one stone was left upon another. So just from that one verse in the Bible, we can deduce that that temple wall is not, uh, is not from the temple. And, you know, the Bible makes it clear, just as Pastor Tommy uh, mentioned here a moment ago, that Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign from Mount Zion when he comes back in the Millennial Kingdom. In fact, Psalms chapter number 2 uh, says this in Psalms chapter number 2, verses 4 through 6. It says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision, then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Now, Zion in the scripture is a name that is used for two cities in the scripture. One would be the heavenly Zion. Of course, we read about that in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12, verses 22. But we read about that heavenly Zion, but then there was also an earthly Zion that the scriptures talk about as well in the Old Testament. In 2 Samuel, chapter number 5, we see a story where David takes a city from the Jebusites. In 2 Samuel 5, 
in verse number uh, 7, the Bible says, Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. The same is the city of David. And David said on that day, Whosoever getteth up to the gutter and smiteth the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Wherefore they said, The blind and the lame shall not come into the house. So David dwelt in the fort and called it the city of David. And David built round about from Milo and inward. And so that city that David conquered from the Jebusites in the Old Testament was also called Zion in the Old Testament. And that is where David uh, built the walls there and he dwelt in that city, lived in that city. And then eventually what we see is that the tabernacle was also in Zion. Now that city of Zion today, if we could look at that and see where it's located at, it would be just to the southwest of where the uh, Temple Mount today is located. And we can see some things from the scriptures about that. In fact, in 1 Chronicles chapter number 21 and verse number 22, we see that David buys a threshing floor from Ornan the Jebusite. And so if you remember, he took the city from the Jebusites and then later on, he buys this floor from Ornan the Jebusite. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 21, 22, then David said to Ornan, Grant me this place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar thereon unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it me for the full price, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said unto David, Take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings, and, thre and the threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the meat offering, I give it all. So David gave to Ornon for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. And verse 28, it goes on to say, At that time when David saw the Lord had answered him in the threshing floor of Ornon the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there. And so this place he buys from Ornon, he builds an altar there, does the sacrifices from that place. But if you remember, God would not allow David to build the temple. But he allows Solomon to build the temple. And we find out from the scriptures that Solomon builds the temple in the exact same location that David purchased. So in 2 Chronicles chapter number 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says this, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Ornon the Jebusite. And so right there from the scriptures, it gives us the exact location of where the temple was built, and this was within the walls of the city of Zion. Then we can look at some other scriptures. This one's not on a slide, but in 1 Kings chapter number 8, the Bible says, Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, unto King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. So this is when 
King Solomon is building the temple. And of course, uh, during that transitional period, they still had the tabernacle before they began using the temple. And so the tabernacle, what we just read there, is that the tabernacle itself, where the Ark of the Lord was at at that point in time, was in Zion. It says they brought up the tabernacle and brought up the Ark of the Covenant out of the city of Zion. And then it tells us that they go and they bring the vessels back into the tabernacle. Now also we see other things in the scripture. So for example, we've got the Apostle Paul. And in Acts chapter number 21, we see that uh, the Apostle Paul is there at the temple and the Jews are, uh, are enraged at the Apostle Paul and they're, uh, they, there's a, they, they've gotten completely enraged with him and they're uh, coming against him. And the Roman soldiers have to come and to rescue Paul. In fact, the Bible says in Acts 21, 27, And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place, and further brought Greeks also into the temple, and hath polluted this holy place. And all the city was moved, and the people ran together, and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple, and forthwith the doors were shut. If you go down to verse 32, it says, Who immediately took soldiers and centurions, and notice this word, and ran down unto them and when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers they left beating of Paul's and if we were to go to verse 35 it says and when he came upon the stairs so they've rescued Paul at this point they're taking him back up into the castle remember they ran down from the castle to the temple. That's what the Bible just told us there. Because if you remember, I told you a little while ago that the city of Zion was located just southwest of what today is called the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount is the higher location, which is where the Roman fortress uh, for Antonia was located at. So that Roman fortress, if you think about it, if you're in the military, wouldn't you build your stronghold on the highest point? And so that's what the Romans did. They built it up on the highest point. And when Saul is in trouble, they run down to him. And then when he's going back, they take him up on the stairs. And if you remember, he turns from the stairs and speaks to the Jews there. And it says that when he came upon the stairs, so it was that he was born of the soldiers for the violence of the people. And as Paul was led into the castle, he said unto the chief captain, May I speak unto thee? who said, Canst thou speak Greek? And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue. So we'll stop reading that part. But that just shows you that the temple was located lower than what the Roman fortress was. That the Roman fortress was up above it, that they ran down to that location. Not only that, but there are prophecies in the scripture, such as in uh, Jeremiah 26. This one's not on the slide, but I'll just read it to you. But the Bible makes it plain that Zion would be a plowed field. And in, in fact, Micah 3.12, the Bible says, Therefore shall Zion for your sake 
be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountains of the house as high as the places of the forest. And so that temple mount has not been a plowed field. That temple mount has been a place where there's always been that wailing wall there, and there's been other things that have been up on that that temple mount with the dome of the rock and those things there. But the city of Zion itself became a plowed field. Now, uh, another thing that we see in the Bible that proves that that temple mount is not the location of the true temple was the Gihon Springs. And if you look at that temple mount, there is no springs whatsoever on that temple mount. There's no evidence of any spring ever being up on that temple mount. But it's amazing if you do a little bit of research and you look at some things, you'll see that the Gihon Springs today is located just southwest where the city of Zion was. In fact, we've got some scripture on that in 1 Kings chapter number 1. And I'll read to you a few scriptures, but the Bible says there, 1 Kings 1 verse 33, Then the king also said unto them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and cause Solomon to ride upon my mule, and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there, king over Israel, and blow ye the trumpet, and say, God save King Solomon. Then ye shall come up after him, that ye may come and sit upon my throne, for he shall be king in my stead, and I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And we'll skip down a couple of verses. And the Bible says in verse 37, As the Lord hath been with my Lord the king, even so be he with Solomon, and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord King David. So Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and caused Solomon to ride upon the king's mule and brought him to Gihon. And Zadok the priest took an horn of oil out of the tabernacle and anointed Solomon, and they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, God save the king. And so right there from that scripture, it appears that the tabernacle is pretty close in location to the Gihon Springs. And then if you just think about it logically, when they're doing the sacrifices, don't you think water is something that's necessary for the sacrifices? And so would it make any sense if the priests are supposed to, when they do the sacrifices, enter into the tabernacle, they're supposed to be washed, they're supposed to be clean when they enter into there? Well, if the Gihon Springs is a thousand feet to the south, and if the temple were up on the temple mount, are the priests going to get all washed down here at the Gihon Springs and then walk a thousand feet through the dust and through the dirt and get all dirty before they go into the temple? wouldn't make any sense. Then not only that, just for the simple fact of cleansing all the instruments of the temple after the sacrifices are done, you know, that water would be necessary for those things. And again, the Gihon Springs is located today south of the temple mount, just southwest of that. Then, of course, we've got scriptures in the Bible that specifically tell us that God dwelt in Zion. Now, if God dwelt in Zion, now where else did God dwell? Did he not dwell in the tabernacle? 
Do we not read about that in the Bible and with the tabernacle, how that his presence would fill the tabernacle and such? And so in, uh, in the book of Psalms, chapter 132 and verse 14, the Bible says, This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. I think I skipped verse 13, but the Bible says there in verse 13 as well, For the Lord hath chosen Zion, he hath desired it for his habitation. And so that shows us there that God was dwelling in Zion. And if God's dwelling in the tabernacle and he, the tabernacle is in Zion, well, then where does that tell you where the tabernacle is? And in fact, the Bible tells this in Psalm 76, verse number 2, In Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. Now, Zion is part of the city of Jerusalem. It's right there, part of that city. And that's why that scripture would say, you know, that in Salem also is his tabernacle. But then it gets a little bit more specific. It'd be like this if you said, I live in Atlanta, but specifically I live on this street, right? And so same thing here. Yes, God is, his tabernacle is in Salem, but his dwelling place is in Zion. And then, of course, in the end times, we see in Isaiah chapter number 24 that when Jesus Christ returns to this earth, that he is going to rule and reign from Mount Zion. Now, the Bible says in Isaiah 24, verse 23, the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. And so Jesus Christ is going to reign from that, uh, from that mountain. And what is important about this is that, you know, this just shows us that everything that we see today on the news and everything, that it's all just a fraud and that that temple that's going to be built there, that is going to be the temple of the Antichrist, the next one that's being built there. And Christians are just being hoodwinked into supporting that. And then, of course, you know, beyond the scriptures, we've got archaeology that backs that up. Right, brother? That's right. So uh, years ago when I went to Israel, we actu I actually went to the Gihon Springs because um, it turns out, I believe it was in the uh, late 19th century, they actually, doing some excavating, they discovered the Gihon Springs. They've never discovered any spring anywhere near the uh, Temple Mount of today, but just southwest where just it makes perfect sense, lines up with the Bible. Sure enough, they have found a spring, and they've also found other things there, too, besides just a spring. Because you say, well, you know, maybe there's a spring and they just haven't found it. But the thing is, if you look in 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 20, it says, And the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and all his might, and how he made a pool and a conduit and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So it mentions Hezekiah bringing water into the city. And in 2 Chronicles 32.30, it says, The same Hezekiah also stopped the upper water course of Gihon and brought it straight down to the west side of the city of David. And Hezekiah prospered in all his work. So the truth is, I mean, the Bible makes it very clear that the Hezekiah's tunnel, as people call it today, he got the water from the Gihon Springs. Now, I want to point out a couple things to you on this. Because when I was there, I actually went into Hezekiah's tunnel. They've excavated all that. And so you'll see here, you know, we've been talking about the Temple Mount. You all know the Dome of the Rock. Well, over here, this is the city of David. 
Down here is where they've discovered the Gihon Springs. They have also, um, they've found the caves in there. They've excavated these things. This is a big tourist attraction. When you go to Israel, Hezekiah's Tunnel, but what nobody mentioned when I was over there, what nobody ever wants to talk about is the fact that, you know, why is the temple then not over here? Even though it's very clear in the Bible that the temple was near the Gihon Springs and it was in Zion, they don't bring that up. Here's one of the caves. There's many pictures. I have pictures that I took when I was there of this tunnel. It dates back to the time of Hezekiah, and it just lines up perfectly with the Bible, I mean, proving with archaeology that this is, in fact, the location of Solomon's temple. So right there, you see with the Bible, just the way it lines up perfectly, it proves that the Temple Mount of today is not it. Archaeology proves the exact same thing. And so also, along with archaeology proving it perfectly, history lines up perfectly with what the Bible says and archaeology. And so Pastor Major is going to do some quotes from some historical records. Right. So there are many uh, historians and many historians such as uh, Josephus and others that many people have heard about, some that were even contemporaries from the time that the temple itself was destroyed that have given witness in history. So we've got a few quotes that we'll give you. This one is from Aristeus, a traveler to Jerusalem in the 3rd century B.C., when the second temple, which was originally built under the leadership of Zerubbabel uh, and Ezra and Nehemiah, he wrote this. He said, the temple faces the east and, it backs, and its back is towards the west. The whole floor is paved with stones and slopes down to the appointed places that, uh, that, that water may be conveyed to wash away the blood from the sacrifices, for many thousands beasts are sacrificed there on, feast, on the feast days. And there is an inexhaustible supply of water because an abundant natural spring gushes up from within the temple area. And so we have that quote from history lining up with what we've already talked about from the Bible that shows you that the Gihon Spring was there in the temple area. We've got some others by a uh, Tacticus, one of the most celebrated historians of ancient Rome, and uh, he wrote this, the temple resembled a citadel and had its own walls, which were more laboriously, laboriously constructed than the others, uh, than the others, the colonnades, with which it was surrounded, formed an admirable outwork. It contained an inexhaustible spring. Their subterranean excavations in the hill and tanks and cisterns holding rainwater. And so there again, giving evidence to the inexhaustible supply of water that was there. And then, of course, that uh, quote goes on, Tacticus goes on, or not Tacticus, but Josephus says this in his book on Wars of the Jews. He says, Caesar gave orders that they should now demolish the entire city and temple. It was so thoroughly laid, even with the ground, by those that dug it up to the foundation, excuse me, that there was nothing, that there was left nothing to make those that came hither believe it had ever been inhabited. And so that quote goes right along with what Jesus Christ had prophesied. 
that Jesus Christ said, not one stone left upon another, and that's what history tells us. So is that wailing wall left from the temple? Absolutely not. So what's it from then? Well, it is from, like we said earlier, the Roman fortress, Antonia, that was up on that mount. And if you look at the city, how it's laid out, the only location that could house a legion, which is what that fort would have housed, would have been that location on top of the Temple Mount because a legion with all of its soldiers and support uh, in, uh, personnel could be anywhere between six to 10,000 people and it would have had to have been on top of that temple or on top where the Temple Mount is today. In fact, there's another quote that we have from uh, Josephus as well. And uh, as explained by Roman historian Josephus, a Jewish eyewitness of the destruction hired by Romans, he goes on to say, to chronicle the siege of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., many Jews hid gold and silver within the walls of various structures. Thus, after raising the city with fire, the Roman armies literally ripped every building apart, stone by stone, to recover the massive treasures of gold and silver, and, and that melted into the cracks and crevices of various bricks. And so you can see right there that that is why the entire city would be completely laid waste. Why the temple itself would be completely destroyed, not one stone left upon another, because they're trying to get all that gold when they had conquered the city. And in Micah chapter number 3, verse number 12, the Bible says, Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. And so that right there shows us that it was going to be completely destroyed. And then there's one last quote we have there from Eliezer, leader of the Masada Jews. And he says this, What has become of our city, which was believed to be inhabited, it is now demolished to the very foundations. The only monument of it that is left is the camp of those who destroyed it, which is still pitched upon its remains. So if the only thing that remains is the camp of those that destroyed it, well, what's it telling you that that wailing wall is? That that is the Roman fortress for Antonia that was left up there on that wall. So we have archaeology, we have Bible, and we have history that are all in agreement there uh, along with that. So after you hear all this, then you have to ask the question, so how did this become accepted? Why is everybody fascinated with this mountain or with this exact spot? And here's why. All right, here is what happened. So when Omar built the Al-Aqsa Mosque, and I'm not saying that right, around the Dome of the Rock, this is what he did. He used two stones from the true temple location that were left over by two attempts from the Jews to rebuild their temple. There were times in history where they did try to rebuild it. And so the Muslims went and took two stones from there and they moved them over and they used those when they built the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And because this, they have this thought, they have this teaching called Baraka. It's a process by which the power of nature of an holy site can be transferred to another when the same stones are used. Thus, in Muslim thought, the mosque became the site of Solomon's temple. 
But then sadly, the Christian crusaders, when they seized it in the 12th century A.D., they adopted the superstition. And they accepted that site. And so basically, that is just traditionally the site. And here's the thing when you look into this. Everybody knows this. Except for the Christians, it seems like. The Jews know this. In fact, I'm going to show you this picture right here. You'll notice it says right there, this is, this is from Google Streets. You can go on Google Streets. I got this image from there. It says Mount Zion right there. Now, it's hard to tell in this picture, but right over here to the right is where Mount Zion is, where the actual hill is, and then directly behind where this picture is from is where the temple is. If you go over to Israel today, Mount, they have Mount Zion being southwest of where the temple is. They call it the city of David. They have the Gihon Springs. They know that this is the location that David perched from Ornan and the Jebusite. They all know it. The Jews know it. The Muslims know it. History proves it. But yet for some reason, even Christians and guys like John Hagee are all on board with this superstition and Christians go there and they say, this is where Solomon's temple was. This is where the Lord is going to rule and reign from. And you know what? It's just a fraud. They've been duped. And you say, so why is this a big deal? I'll tell you why it's a big deal. Because of the fact they're using this to suck Christians into Zionism, to get them to support everything with Israel, them getting all the land, and all they are doing is prepping things for the Antichrist. And listen, these things are going to come, but do we as Christians need to be supporting it and encouraging it and donating money to it? But that is exactly what happens today. And you know what? Christians need to wake up and say, you know what? We don't believe in this superstition. We don't believe in this teaching that if you move stones from one location to another, it becomes that location. That is foolish, but yet that is how that happened. And it seems like everybody knows it except for Christians. I wish they'd have told me that when I was there. I remember looking at it thinking that was where Solomon's temple was. One of these days, Jesus is going to rule and reign from there. And I took all kinds of pictures of it. And they have, they, and let me tell you, there's a bunch of stories out there about the Eastern Gate we don't have time to get into. And Christians, I bought into that stuff. And let me tell you something, it's, it's time we stop letting them fool us on these things and stop listening to these rabbis and their superstitions. It is a big fraud. So I hope this was a help to you. And now when you see that area, you know, you need to see it for the fraud that it is, that it's something that's just for the Antichrist. It's not the true location. It's just one more lie of the Jews. So thank you very much. I hope this was a help.